Come and see. Have any of you had any come and see moments this week? Well, I've got a couple I want to share with you, maybe more than two. Come and see. Last weekend, Will and I had the chance to go to the Grand Canyon. This is a, a picture from the South Rim. And if you have never gone to see the Grand Canyon, you need to go and see it. It is incredible. The first time I ever went was with a youth group. We were taking a group of our youth and, and had a, a girl. She was probably 15 or 16, kind of, uh, you know, she was pretty cool and didn't want to get too excited about too much. And as we were driving up, anticipation built, and some of the kids said, wow, we've never been to the Grand Canyon. And she goes, oh, it's just a hole in the ground. <laughs> but wow, that's some hole, isn't it? Come and see. And so as we were there, we, we thought, oh, wow, you need to come and see this. Are you, are you being sensitive to those come and see moments that God's putting before you? Last Wednesday at noon in our Lenten service was, for me, was a come and see moment. As we welcomed our community in, and in Norman, a denominational community, a, a ecumenical community of people from different churches to come and, and to worship and to prepare our hearts for Easter, that was a come and see moment. Come and see what God is doing in our churches in Norman that would allow us to come together to worship. And we had a, a Catholic priest came and preached here in a Baptist pulpit. It was incredible. It was wonderful. Come and see what God is doing. And then yesterday, as foster families began to, to come into our church and to see you, many of you that came at 9 o'clock in the morning and, and, and had some orientation and then began to receive these families of foster children and love on them and, and feed them and clothe them. And it was just incredible. It was a, a come and see moment. Come and see what God's doing through us to reach out and minister to foster families. It was, it was incredible. And then this morning, come and see our children lead us in worship. Now, several of them have already gone home because they were here at like 8 o'clock in the morning and their families. That's like a miracle in itself. Come and see these families and these children that, that are coming and they're learning about God and they're learning how to worship and to sing and they're leading us in worship. Come and see the, the great and mighty things, the, the wonderful things that God is doing. And that's our, our theme and our focus, not just for this Lenten season, but hopefully for forever. That we would, would live and embrace life as, as come and see moments. Come and see what God is doing. Turn with me to, to John chapter 1. And, and Kirk did a great job last week of, of kind of getting us into John's gospel and, and showing how, how Jesus came to those first two or three disciples and invited them to come and see what God was going to be doing through his life. And today we pick up that story in, in uh, verse, I believe, 42. So if you would, let's, let's read verses 43, excuse me, 43 through 46. Again, these verses up there, Jesus has gone and found Andrew. And Andrew said, Jesus, let's go find Simon Peter and my brother and tell him that we found the Messiah. 43, the next day, the next day, Andrew and Peter had must have told Jesus about Philip. Because the next day, Philip 
It says that Jesus purposed to go into Galilee. And there Jesus found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now again, we, we can't ever forget that, that a come and see invitation always leads us or leads Jesus in that encounter to offer a come and follow me invitation. So, and Jesus said, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the, the town of Andrew and Peter. There's that connection. I, I can't help but believe that, that Peter and, and Andrew were talking to Jesus about, you know, Jesus, we've been looking for you. We've been looking for the Messiah. And you know what? Philip has been looking for you too. And it's the next day that Jesus goes to find Philip. And then look what happens immediately after Jesus finds Philip. Philip found Nathanael. And he said to him, we, I'm assuming that, that Andrew and Peter and now Philip, we have found him. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael came to him. To Philip and said, well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, well, come and see. Come and see. Isn't what I just read, especially in verse 43, isn't that one of the most incredible, one of the most exciting, one of the most transformative things that we could ever read in Scripture and that we could ever experience on our own? Jesus found Philip. How many of you remember that, that day that Jesus found you? That was a pretty life-giving and, and transformative day. It was the day in which you realized, you know, with all this guilt and all this sin that I have, there's someone that loves me anyway. There's someone who is inviting me to new life. To new life where I can be cleansed, where I can be renewed where I can be redeemed. Jesus found Philip. Oh, that, that's so powerful. So life-giving. How many of us, even here in this room, need to hear that good news? And how many outside of our church need to hear and need to experience this, this occasion when Christ enters into your life and when Jesus finds you? That's just like Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is, is, is a God. He's, he's the Son of Man. He comes to find. In the story of Zacchaeus, remember Zacchaeus in Luke 18, the, the, the tax collector that nobody liked? In that story, Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Imagine Zacchaeus's joy and utter disbelief that he could be loved so much. Imagine Jesus found Zacchaeus and how that changed and transformed Zacchaeus' life. Jesus is always looking to find that which is lost, that which is maybe not lost, but that which is seeking something, someone. Jesus responds to that. Jesus finds people. In Romans 5.8, the scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, while we, we didn't have any interest at all in God, while we were more interested in ourselves, in our own will, seeking our own pleasures, seeking our own purposes, while we were in that state of life, the scripture tells us 
that Jesus died for us. What's that, that mean? It means that Jesus was looking for us. He was pursuing us. He was providing for us. Even when we weren't looking for him, Jesus was finding us through his death on the cross and through his resurrection. But notice what happens when Jesus finds us. When he finds us, he invites us to come and to follow him, to follow me. Now, this word follow is not, not just a, a past tense word. It's not, well, one day, you just, you know, at Falls Creek Church, you come down the aisle and, and you say you're going to follow me and we get baptized and then we'll forget about it. We'll, we'll tuck that back in our memory bank and live life the way we want to. No. When Jesus invites us to follow him, he invites us to enter into a continuous state of following his lead, of going after him, of pursuing him, of carrying his cross day by day, moment by moment. Come and follow me he means to, to leave everything behind, to leave our own wills and our own purposes behind and to embrace the glorious will of God and to follow after him in pursuing that. When God finds us, he always invites us to come and to give our lives in following him. And now in verse 45, look and see what Philip does. Philip's been found by Jesus. Philip has been invited to follow after Jesus. And what's the first thing that Philip does? Well, according to this story, Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. Now again, as you read the story, as you read the verses prior in, in this story here, it appears that Philip and Peter and Andrew and Nathaniel had relationship. They were friends or maybe even cousins. Maybe they worked together. But there's a connection there. And, and, and so there's this implication here that Philip and Peter and Andrew and Nathaniel had spent some time talking to each other. They, they'd spent some time in conversation Spend some time talking about what they're troubled about. About the problems of their, maybe their family or their, their, their nation, their people. And, and I can't help but them eavesdropping in on their conversation and, and hearing them say, you know, gosh, if, if just the Messiah would come. If that, that long-waited-for Messiah, if he would just come, oh, that, that God would send the Messiah and, and you can just imagine those conversations that they longed for, the coming of Messiah. They longed for the Christ to, to come. And certainly they didn't understand what all that meant, but they knew that, that Messiah was coming. And so when Peter and Andrew find the Messiah, oh, Jesus, let me tell you about Philip. We've been talking about you, and, and, and you need to go find him. And the next day Jesus goes, and he, he finds Philip. And Philip goes to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you won't believe this. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about the need and longing for Messiah. Guess what? I found him. We found him. Come and let me introduce you to him. Come and see. You see how, how as we look for something, as we long for something, and as we discover it, we want to share. We want to bring others into that knowledge and that experience. So what are the conversations in your world? What are the conversations at your work, in your family? 
what, what are the folks you talk to longing for? What, what are they hurting for? What, what do you talk about in the break room at work? Or what do you talk about around the dinner table? What, what is it that when the guys get together or the girls get together, what is it that you talk about that, that you're longing for, that you're hurting for, that, that you're lamenting over the price of oil? Well, that used to be a cliche, right? Well, that's not a cliche anymore in Oklahoma, is it? Uh, then that's, that's, a, that's, that's a concern, isn't it? Presidential politics. There's a lot of longing, a lot of hurting, a lot of lamenting about what's going on, and we haven't even got to the real campaign yet. The state of education in Oklahoma. What are we going to do about what we, we're lamenting, we're longing for, we're, we're, we're hurting over these conversations and these issues in our life? What about the, the crime and lawlessness, the, the home invasions that have been taking place recently? Just, you know, they, they scare the fire out of you. We're not even safe in our own homes. Where, where are you hurting? What are you, what are you longing for? What's missing in your life? Well, I'm, I'm angry at, at these situations. I'm, I'm, I need peace. What are you longing for? What are you, what's missing in your life? I, well, I'm afraid. I really need to experience a love that, that overcomes and conquers that, that, that fear. What, what's missing in your life? Is it, is it self-control? You know, there, there are these things that, that, that I'm addicted to or these things that seem to, to have power over me that, that I just can't have victory over. I just wish I had some self-control. I know what I want to do, as Paul lamented, but it seems like at the end of the day, I've done just the opposite. Oh, I, I long for this. I'm missing this in my life. What is missing? I just need some wisdom and understanding. I'm I'm confused. I'm frustrated with life. I, I don't understand. Or, or you know what? I just am burdened with guilt. I need to experience grace and forgiveness. What, what are, are you longing for? What are the people that you're having conversations with? What's really missing in their life? Messiah? Well, if Jesus has found you, if you've been found and you've experienced that grace and that transformation, if, if you've begun to experience a new life in Him, you have the great opportunity to say, guess what? Guess what I found? Nathaniel, guess what I've experienced. You know what Nathaniel means? Nathaniel literally means in the Hebrew, gift of God. Who, who, is the, who is the gift of God that has been placed into your life to help find and to help share the good news of Christ with? God has, has given someone in your life to help find Jesus. Will you be faithful to that? Who are the Nathaniels of your life? Who are those that you've talked to about their longings and their needs and, and, and what they're lamenting and grieving over? Who are those people in your life? Who are they that are seeking and missing something? Who do you need to go and find? 
Who's the Nathaniel in your life that needs to hear, I have found the Messiah. Come and see. But church, we all understand that, that when we do say we found the Messiah, that it's going to create some questions. Look at the question that, that Nathaniel came up for Philip. Philip comes in and says, I found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And look at what, this is great, look at what Nathaniel says. Scratches his head. Come on, Philip. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It, it seems to me this is kind of a rivalry thing. It, it, what, what I've discovered or haven't discovered is, is that Nazareth wasn't a bad place. It was just kind of like Nazareth. It's kind of like Stillwater, right? Can anything good come out of Stillwater? That kind of rivalry? Well, of course, I married a lady from Stillwater. There's great things that come out of Stillwater. You know, but that, that's kind of the nature. Of, you know, I'm looking for the Messiah, and you tell me it's Nazareth? I'm looking for the Messiah. I'm looking for the answers, and you're telling me it's Stillwater? That, that kind of a, a thing? What would Nathaniel's question be like today? You go up and share with your Nathaniel and say, man, I found the Messiah. I found Jesus, and, and he has made all the difference in my life. Here's what Nathaniel's going to tell you today. Can anything good come out of religion? You're telling me you found Jesus in religion? Now, now I, I can be spiritual, but this religion, this I mean, religious people are killing each other all over the world. Religious people are, are they're, they're terrorists. Religious people, you know what I'm saying? Religion's got a bad name. And now you're telling me that if I come to Jesus, if I come to this religion, that I can find the answer to my problems? Maybe your Nathaniel would put it this way. Can anything good come out of Christianity? You know, those, those Christians, you know, they're, they're, they're so pious and they're so judgmental. And, and you know what? When you get to know them, they're really, they're so hypocritical. Can anything good come out of Christianity? I mean, they seem like they're against everything. They're mean-spirited. Can anything good come out of Christianity? Can anything good come out of First Baptist Church? Yeah, let me, let me tell you about my, my church and, and the things that God's doing there and how I've encountered Christ and been able to grow and mature in Him. Come and see what's going on at First Baptist First Baptist, can anything good come out? That's an old historic Baptist church. Isn't Westboro a Baptist church? Haven't you heard that one before, haven't you? How can anything good come out of a Baptist church? So how, how do we answer this question? Because people like Nathaniel have been have been hurt, right? They've they've been hurt by false hopes and by false messiahs. They they've been broken and damaged and scarred and taken advantage of by people in religion and people who call themselves Christians and people that go to Baptist churches. So how do we answer? May we have the grace to say exactly what Philip did.
Come and see. Come and see what I've experienced. Come, come and see what Jesus has done for me. Come and see what's, what's going on when, when I gather with the people at my church as we love and walk with each other and encourage each other. Come and see what we experience when we worship together. Can anything good come out of question is not necessarily, in fact, is rarely a question looking for theological answers. Is rarely a question that needs you to give a 30-minute theological discourse on. Is rarely a question that you need to give a five-paragraph persuasive response to, Right? Can anything good come out of this question is one that, that goes to the heart and to the emotion and to the experience. And it just welcomes this, come and see. Come and check things out. Come and see what's going on in my church. Come and see what's going on when we gather to worship the Lord. Come and see what's going on as we try to be a redemptive community. Come and see what's going on as we feed the poor, as we provide clothing for those that need clothing, as we provide care for foster families. Come and see what God's doing here. Come and see how we seek to build community across the generations. Come and see how we work to strengthen within the generations through our youth and our children and our adult ministries, our college ministries. Come and see. Come and see how we serve our community in, in various and different ways. Come and see how we look to partner and network with others. Come and see. Come and see how we share life together, how we, how we walk together in the difficult times, how we celebrate life in the good times. Come and see. Can anything good come out? Come and see. Come and see why. Because we found the Messiah. Come, come and see how we go into all parts of the world to tell the good news of Christ. And in fact, why don't you not just come and see? Why don't you come and go with us? Come and see how we enjoy playing together over at the Family Life Center on the playground and how we enjoy fellowshipping with one another around the table at dinner eight groups. Come and see. Come and see how we walk in the tension between grace and righteousness. And how we try to walk through the, the moral culture of our day in a redeeming way. You see, those of us who have found and been found by Jesus have much to tell. And there are Nathaniels all around us, eager and ready and looking for this Messiah. Who is the Nathaniel that God is calling you to minister to and calling you to seek out today? I'd like to introduce to you Alex. Alex, why don't you come forward? Alex is, uh, and, and his wife Kendra and family are staying in our uh, missionary house. And you had a chance to hear from them earlier if you came to Mission Fest. But I've asked him to come and to share a Nathaniel story with us. A story of how, uh, through their ministry and through their work, they've encountered various Nathaniels. But here's one in particular. Welcome. Let me get you a mic and 
See if we can. There you go. What's well, a privilege to be able to be with you this morning, and I just wanted to share with you a story uh, from our experiences in the Middle East that kind of uh, shows an example of, of what we're hearing about today. And uh, just if, if you were there earlier this morning as I, I shared a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East, a huge part of what God is doing is opening up doors among Syrian refugees. If you, if you of course, you've seen in the news how uh, the crisis in Syria is going on and the humanitarian crisis that has resulted uh, coming behind uh, the ongoing conflict. And so uh, current numbers are that there are around four and a half million Syrians who have now been displaced internationally outside of, of their country. That's almost 20% of the population. And, and as I was thinking about that number, I thought, you know, that's, that's bigger than the entire population of the state of Oklahoma. I mean, can you imagine if everyone who lived in Oklahoma was forced away from their homes and lost everything except the clothes on their back? And they had to go to Kansas, to Arkansas, to Texas, and hope for people to take them in and to help them. And so one of the things that, that we've done as the International Mission Board is we have sought to respond to the needs uh, of refugees wherever they have been displaced and, and to make the most of the opportunity both to share the love of Christ in a tangible way and meet their physical needs, but also to respond to their spiritual needs and to proclaim the gospel. And, and so one, uh, I want to share with you a story of a man named Sam. Sam's, Sam's a guy we met in one of these countries where refugees were just flooding into these communities. And, and so often what you'll see is, is you'll have a local family who's hosting several uh, refugee families in their home. And so as we're doing relief projects, we're going and we're helping the refugees and we're also assisting uh, those in the host communities. And, and in order to do that, we work with community leaders so that they help us identify where are the refugees and where are the people who are in the greatest need. And, and so Sam was one of these community leaders. He was, a, he was a religious leader in the community, actually. And so as he was kind of going on visits with, with us and with our teams that worked with us, you know, he, he began to see um, the love that, that all of these Christians had for these refugees. And he saw the consistency of, of more than, you know, he saw tons of local believers and foreign volunteers who came and were working together to assist the refugees, and, and he was just overwhelmed. And one day as he was visiting with one of our partners, he said, you know, for over 1,400 years, Islam has brought us nothing but hatred, war, and terrorism. But you Christians have come, and you've shown us love like we've never seen before. And we want to be like you. Now, within months, Sam came to faith. And he's been a part of leading several in his household and in his community to follow Jesus. And now he's using his influence to expand the kingdom of God. Now this all started by Christians embodying the love of Jesus and boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Making sure that everyone knew this is the reason for the hope that we have. This is the difference. Jesus is the difference. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that story and ask you also to pray for Sam and pray for others like him in the Middle East who have been coming to faith and there's, there's now persecution coming behind that. And just pray that they would stand firm and continue to faithfully follow Christ and continue to lead others to follow him as well. Thanks. Thank you, Alex. Have you been found by Jesus? It's the greatest personal testimony and story that you can share. Jesus found me. Jesus found you. And as a community of faith, that's our testimony, is that we've been found by Christ, and now, having been found by Christ, 
We're called to follow Him, to love others, to serve them, and being called to go and to find the Nathaniels around us, the Sams around us. Who, who are the Nathaniels in your life? Who's God calling you to go and find? And to simply ask the question or give the invitation, Nathaniel, come and see the mighty things that God is doing. Come and see what Christ has done for me. We are called to live this way. We are called to be people who invite others to come and see the incredible things that God has done. Let's pray.